Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone has is having a wonderful week so far. Had a wonderful Valentine's Day. A lot of stuff that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into some Batman news in regards to Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves kind of getting the press tour running for the film, kind of getting the final push going for its March 4th release date. They talked about some things they might want to do potentially in the future with some of the rogues galleries that Batman has in his arsenal. I'm also going to be talking about a a major kind of onslaught of news that came out yesterday in regards to Viacom CBS, which has a new name now and is really kind of gearing itself towards the future in regards to streaming. I'm also going to be getting into my annual weekend preview and more. But the first thing that I want to kick this podcast off with, of course, is probably the biggest news to come out in the last day or so since I didn't have my podcast yesterday and it was the announcement of the Oscar host finally for this year's 94th annual telecast of the Academy Awards. We have the nominations which were announced last week but we still didn't know who the hosts were. There were a lot of rumors and reports. Is it going to be Tom Holland and Zendaya? Is it going to be Pete Davidson? Is it going to be the trio from Only Murders in the Building which was Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez or was it going to be some other people entirely? There was a mystery and rumors swirling since this was going to be the first time that we the Academy was going to have a host since around 2018 and then they went on the three-year stint where they had no host and they just had a bunch of people kind of rotating in and out doing some skits doing pre- presenting the awards but no one person or group of people steering the ship overall but that changes this year as we are going to be having hosts yes it is plural it is not one person but rather not just two but three people are set to host this year's 94th annual Oscars telecast, and it consists of three women, which is the first time that it'll be three women across the board ever in the Academy's telecast history. It is gonna be comedian Amy Schumer, actress Regina Hall, and actress-comedian Wanda Sykes. And this was, I think, a shocker for a lot of people. I think nobody, if you were to put down a, a betting pool for people that you would suspect to be a part of the Oscars, even if it was one person or two people or clearly a trio of people, I don't think this is the the matchup that you or the, the grouping of that you would suspect that they would be putting together. But this is the trio that we are going to be getting on the stage on March 27th. And I will say it is great to see three women host the, the Oscars. I think that's, a, again, when we're talking about pushing diversity, pushing inclusion, all that stuff, it's great to see that actually happening. It's great that the Academy put that into position. And Amy Schumer is a talented comedian. Regina Hall, by herself, is a great actress. And Wanda Sykes, again, is hysterical. And I think if, if it was just her hosting, I think it would be great. However, with the three of them together, it's not necessarily the fact that them it's them together, but I just think over Overall, the three of them is not a great pairing or a great decision by the Academy. I think because of all the rumors that were swirling around and when I saw this news actually come out, it was a little bit underwhelming in the fact that I just think that you had to go this far down to get these people to host the Oscars. And there were reports coming out that John Hamm was in the the final negotiations to become a fourth host. And so to me, it kind of seeing just these three women kind of plucked out and to me, it doesn't... 
even if it was Wanda Sykes and, and Amy Schumer, I can get that. They're comedians, they're actresses, they can hold their own. But putting Regina Hall in there, again, great actress. She's been in some comedies, but putting her in there, it just it, it just seems like it's a mishmash of people that are going to be put on the screen. And the way that Will Packer, who is a well-known producer, the reason that he was plucked in to do this job for this telecast is because the Academy and ABC want to get back to uh, a fun celebration, bringing back the, the glitz and the glamour, especially after last year with kind of the, the COVID era of award season that we had, especially with the Oscar telecast. They wanted to kind of go back to tradition, but again, update it because of the because of the way that the, the numbers have been going in terms of viewership. It's been spiking and trickling down over the last couple of years. And so ABC wants to get those numbers back up again and getting Will Packer in here. They're hoping that he's going to be able to do the job and, and he's he's had a history of being able to spruce up and, and spice up these kinds of telecasts and doing this kind of of, of trio together I, it, it doesn't seem well thought out and then what, what, even when you heard the news that they wanted to do a host usually pre-pandemic in years past you would hear the host being announced around January or late December before even the nominations were announced so this is really late in the game so I'm wondering if this was just kind of a, 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 a spring of the moment kind of occurrence that we want to have a host back when it was already late in the game and, you, and you're trying to scramble to see who's available who would want to do it on such short notice and so to me that's what it really seems like this is it's just them flying by the seat of their pants and just hoping something sticks to the wall and again Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes, great as individual talents. And again, if this was the 90s, early 2000s, I think Wanda Sykes on her own could do a great job with the awards telecast because I think she brings, she's been in movies, she she knows the industry, and I think she can bring a great comedic background in, in a great open and being able to entertain the crowd while they're going through all of these awards, which is still a three plus hour telecast because you have so many categories to get through. And there was this really interesting article that actually came out yesterday on IndieWire where it discussed the kind of, of back and forth between ABC, which airs the telecast for the, for the Oscars, and then the actual Academy itself, and kind of the... The, the philosophy that each of them have, where ABC is very much in the, in the making, in the business of, of having March 27th and the Oscars be an entertainment show above all else because they want the numbers, they pay all this money, they want it to be an entertaining, fun, eventful evening, whereas the Academy is very much just about the awards. And I think, for, I think that's where, in recent years, because of the downward trend of, this, of the viewership, where each year just gets worse and worse and worse, with last year, being, I think, the lowest or one of the lowest in Oscar history, the Academy wants to boost that up, and they're trying to do a whole bunch of things. And in the article, they talk about how what the network is kind of demanding and what the Academy wants to do. And I found this to be really interesting, and this is what they say in, in some excerpts from the article. The network demands viewers to stay tuned into an accessible and entertaining show while the Academy must serve its 17 branches as it hands out awards in 23 categories from shorts to crafts. For years, the network pressured the Academy to trim the three-hour-plus show that forced the Academy Board of Governors to twist themselves into pretzels since it would also mean cutting into Academy member speech times if not the 
categories themselves. In 2018, the board proposed the best popular film option that the Academy drummed out under protest from their members. In 2019, the board planned to give out four awards during the commercial breaks. Another unpopular move also rescinded. And uh, very much I remember talking about that when I was on the screening room over at WRHU. And when that news broke out, we were talking about it. I remember my, my, my host and I, we did not like that suggestions whatsoever. And the, the Academy and ABC were pressured to take that back, as the article explains. And it seems like they're doing it again kind of this year, where it was just recently announced that the Academy is going to be putting out a fan favorite category. Uh, so basically on social media, if you the, the most trend about hashtag films, so say it's Spider-Man No Way Home or Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings or No Time to Die or even Zack Snyder's Justice League, any of those films are the most trended, most talked about film on social media when you put out the hashtag Oscar fan favorite, then that film will get recognized during the Oscar telecast. Again, that is really mainly in part to get more people to see the movies that are on the screen. And this has been something that's been talked about throughout the Oscars for the last couple of years, really. And from my mind, since 2008, when The Dark Knight was snubbed at the Oscars, and that is putting in bigger, more well-known movies. And this year, there was, of course, talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, No Time to Die, which were some of the most successful, well-known movies of 2021. And people are always wondering, well, how come we don't put any of these bigger films into the Oscars to get more of that appeal, to get more potential rooting interest in people watching the telecast and for from again for me for somebody that's not a somebody who thinks like that and it's understandable why you would want more of the general population to be involved in this it would it, i understand where the academy is coming from at the same in the same light of the academy awards are prestigious awards honoring the best of the best and if they don't think that your film is in that category then it shouldn't be involved they shouldn't be pressured to make an entertaining show that's what abc and dick clark productions and and the people that run the show need to do and it's tough but sometimes you you either have to you have to find some kind of niche and and sometimes you get the best popular movies that are out there like I, i know in the article they were talking about how some of the biggest viewed most viewed shows were when you had a film such as titanic the titanic telecast in 97 98 or in 0304 when lord of the rings return of the king was nominated for a bunch of awards and made history or even when avatar and and those telecasts when they put out big movies like that and they're nominated you'll get more viewership but again it it should matter most of what are the best films to come out and sometimes it's included with big movies sometimes it's prestigious small indie films and i think that's what makes the academy so special and so they shouldn't have to bend or mold themselves in that kind of a way in making sure that the 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 show gets more attention than the actual ceremony itself because that's what people i think in the end really go for if they really want to watch the academy and i know it's i'm talking about it from somebody who talks about the oscars like they are from the like like it's it's for me it's more about the movies and the awards itself and i know for people it's more about entertainment and again it's about finding that balance and sometimes some things work sometimes some things just 
don't pan out for the best probably. And so I still think they're trying to find that balance overall. And, it, and it, it's going to be a baby step incremental s- system where they're going to have to get those viewerships back. And, and it's tough to try to get the younger generation involved with the Academy Awards. And it's tough to get them involved in award shows in general nowadays, because usually it's about the big stars. It's about not even the big movies, but the celebrities. And even when it comes to celebrities, one of the things that made the award show so special, and I've heard it from a bunch of people, is that some back in the day and, and and we're talking about 70s 80s before social media really really took over you didn't have a whole lot of access to these celebrities the only time you really saw them were when they were on red carpets whether that be for movie or tv premieres or for award shows like the golden globes or the oscars or the emmys and grammys those are the only times you got to see those people in in the glitz and the glamour. But nowadays, you see them everywhere. And it's because a lot, a, a big part of it is because of social media, where you go on Instagram or Snapchat or even TikTok nowadays, and you see them all over the place. You can follow them if they decide to post about their lives or, or opportunities or things that they're doing. You don't have to wait for them to do an interview or two when they're on the red carpet or when they give an interview in a magazine or on, on some kind of channel. It's right there for you to watch on some kind of, of social media account. So it, it, I think that is a big part of it as well, where the... I think for the general audience members, the, the the shine isn't at what it used to be all those years ago. And again, I think it's because of the – for ABC, it's because the fact that there's not a lot of big movies that are nominated. And again, that's just how it is and they just have to go along with it because I think – and this is for the best. The Academy isn't going to nominate films because it's going to get the most appeal and because people are going to watch the show. It's what's the best out there. And I think if they lose that integrity, they're going to lose a lot of – respect and integrity within movie pundits, awards pundits, people within the industry because of some of the things that they choose if it's questionable. So I think when we look at the Oscars, I think this is clearly an example of Again, it seems like there's not a riff, but there's a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a tug and pull between the ABC that airs the show and then the Oscars, the Academy themselves, that that dish out the nominations, dish, dish out the awards themselves. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Again, I'm going to be watching this. We'll see how this works between Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. Again, love all three of them. Just don't think it's a great fit overall with the Academy Awards in terms of just the selection just seems all over the place. There's no reasoning, I feel like, behind why these three were the ones to be selected for this category. And, and I also think the fact that it seems like, well, Packer and the producers want to break this up into three different segments were... Amy Schumer is going to be doing one hour. Regina Hall is going to be doing another. And Wanda Sykes doesn't even sound like they're going to be together in the same room. So it just doesn't make any sense for why you would have this award show really kind of broken up this way. And and if you don't have all three of them together, it just doesn't make any sense. I think it would be very interesting, I think, to see what Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes' chemistry is like. But if one of them is just doing one hour and they're not together, I I don't know. I, I just don't like that. And again, it just feels like they threw a bunch of stuff to the wall 
wanted to see what stuck and just kind of go from there. So I'm hoping in future award season planning for future years that we get some kind of a plan earlier on than what we have right now. So we'll see what happens. But again, I think this this will drum up some some intrigue for what's going to happen with award season this year with the Oscars. We finally have our host. What do you guys think about Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes being the host for this year's 94th Annual Academy Awards? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now, moving on to one trailer that I wanted to talk about real quick that came out yesterday. And it's for the long-awaited, long, a long, rele- delayed release movie from 20th Century Studios that it's making its way to Hulu is Deep Water, which is directed by Adrian Lin. But more importantly, it has a cast that consists of Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas, Tracy Letts, Rachel Blanchard, and Little Ray Howard. And this is kind of a erotic thriller between it seems like this married couple, but they're bartering secrets against one another and an affair. And when I read the premise for this film, it sounded interesting. However, when watching this teaser trailer for a film that, again, if you knew the cast, it sounded it, it, it was very intriguing. But when you watch the trailer, it doesn't really give you that whatsoever. I didn't feel the energy behind it. It felt very kind of monotone, very kind of still, and, and not a lot of emotion. Just it just didn't have any any pizzazz to it that I think I was looking for with this film. It very much feels like a potential. Gone Girl, Girl Girl on the Train. It feels like one of those films. And I just didn't really feel that kind of push and pull with this film and the energy from there. And it didn't offer me any kind of story. I, I even if I even if I didn't know anything about this film, I wouldn't know anything about it watching from the trailer. So I just think it was not the best trailer. And it's another example for maybe why 20th Century Studios delayed this film for a long time. It wasn't just because of the pandemic. Maybe they had concerns about it and the fact that they're putting it on Hulu domestically and Amazon Prime internationally, I think showcases that they have no confidence in this movie and just want to put it out on streaming and forget about it all together. But again, the cast seems interesting. Again, I'll watch anything Ben Affleck related. I I love him, especially as a director. Ana de Armas is somebody who I love all the stuff she's done recently from her appearance in No Time to Die to, of course, what she did in Knives Out and Blade Runner 2049 that I'd definitely be interested to see what they do in this. And I think a lot of people will also be interested because of the the pop culture influences that are part of this, especially since it seems like after this film, Ben Affleck on to arm has developed some kind of a relationship afterwards personally, and so I'm sure people are going to want to see that chemistry here as well. And you can kind of see it in the trailer a little bit, but but again, it's not enough, and, and you don't get an idea for what this film is about, really, especially if you go into it not knowing anything about the story overall. But again, one that I'll definitely check out, especially since it'll be on Hulu, so especially on streaming, it'll be one that I'll definitely get a chance to see when it comes out on March 18th. If you guys have seen the trailer for Deep Water, what did you think about it? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. Then moving on down to the DCEU and talking about a little film 
that's coming out in about really two weeks. And that, of course, is arguably my most anticipated film of the year. I know it is for a lot of other people as well. And it's probably the first big event film of 2022. And that, of course, is The Batman. And they're in kind of the final push for their marketing campaign. You're seeing a lot of TV spots for the movie across television, social media, YouTube. It's really in its final stretch. And we're getting interviews from um, all the cast members and director really kind of giving us a, a, a picture of what to expect with this film. The trailers have been outstanding. I haven't really gotten any kind of spoilers from the film. Tickets are on sale now for the movie, which I got tickets and a few friends of mine were able to get some for Friday, March 4th in IMAX in New York City. We're going to go check it out there. So we're very excited about that. And so this is a, a great and exciting time. But usually when it comes to these big blockbuster films, especially within the comic book genre, because because of the built shared universes and potential sequels and, and 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 implications for what you could do with these films down the line, especially because Batman is arguably just by himself one of the biggest IPs in Hollywood and in pop culture in general. So you, you get to wonder, well, what could else could happen in the future? And there's been a lot of reports that Matt Reeves does have a trilogy in mind with Robert Pattinson for his Batman films, but also to kind of link up with HBO Max and what Warner Media wants to do with their streaming service, kind of like what every other studio is doing nowadays. They want to basically kind of cross over between films and TV. And there's been reports that Matt Reeves is also developing two spinoff HBO Max shows, which will involve kind of the year one with Batman in which it won't feature Batman potentially, but it'll be about the GCPD before the events of the Batman, which take place about around year two of Batman's ventures in crime fighting in Gotham. And also another one with Con Farrell's Penguin, which looks incredible just from the stuff that we've seen in, in the promotion so far. So I can't wait to see what he does in the film and could lead to his own spinoff. But Matt Reeves is very much building out his own corner of the overall DC multiverse really with this Batman world and it's really kind of the first time and, and I think if, if if you wanted to go unique this is unique in I think comic book in comic book history especially in live action adaptations to film and television where you have the MCU now going to streaming and crossing over between its its Disney Plus shows and the movies and telling this one big story through all those mediums, Matt Reeves is doing something interesting where the MCU is built out with all these different sub-franchises within, within the universe, and you have the DCEU, and you have The Flash, and Aquaman, and they're doing the same thing as well, along with Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. It seems like Matt Reeves is building out a universe just for this one character and the universe that, he's, that he embodies. There, there's one person or one character that can carry that. It is the Batman because of the rogues gallery that he has, because of the world that he is established, because of the history involved with Gotham, which it seems like Matt Reeves is going to be exploring in this film. It's right for that kind of universe where sometimes for one character, as you've seen throughout, it's tough for them to build out one big world on their own and sustain it with within all of these mediums, but Batman is very much I think one character that could very much hold their own and hold their own universe as one character. And it seems like that's exactly what Matt Reeves intends to do. And when you look at the Batman, and again, distincting from all the previous history when it comes to live action Batman, what are you going to do differently? And 
from the first trailer at DC Fandom in 2020, you could very clearly tell that Matt Reeves was kind of combining all the things that have made Batman so special in live action throughout the years, whether it's kind of bringing in the the goth horror elements in a way from the Burton era or the grounded grittiness of the Nolan era and kind of infusing that all together and making a very distinctly different Batman who is very much in in which it's very much taking from Chinatown and Seven and it's, it's a neo-noir cat and mouse thriller and I think that's exciting especially when you can ground these characters in a way and seeing what they're doing with villains like Riddler where it's very much kind of taking a replication of the Zodiac Killer or you have the Penguin where he looks like the Penguin but it's very much a mob boss version of that character Selena Kyle you're kind of taking these these characters that can be larger than life and goofier and making them more realistic and believable in this world that you're trying to do and when speaking to press and magazines both Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves talk about what they wanted to see moving forward with some of the villains potential that they can do moving forward in the future. And Robert Pattinson talked about maybe doing the Court of Owls as the next villains in the Batman film. And if you could see the trailers for this next Batman movie, it very much seems like that could potentially be something that's in play where the Court of Owls could make their live action appearance in the film. And it makes sense if you're exploring the roots of Gotham City and the history of Gotham and the Waynes. They could go down that lineage and that storyline. But we'll see what happens when we see the movie but the other one that's very interesting coming from Matt Reeves is when he talks about taking again these larger than life villains that could be difficult to keep very grounded into the realism that Matt Reeves is displaying and bring them to life onto the big screen but talking to Matt Reeves when he when he talks about adapting Mr. Freeze he gives a very interesting answer and this is what he says when talking to Collider in my view I just feel drawn to finding the grounded version of everything so to me it would be a challenge in an interesting way to try and figure out how that could happen even the idea of something like Mr. Freeze that's such a great story right I think there's actually a grounded version of that story which could be really powerful and could be really great so I love the fantastical side of Batman but this iteration obviously while being to me I think it is very much it is very comics faithful but I don't think that this is one necessarily it doesn't lean as hard into the fantastical I guess but I think to me what would be interesting would be to try and unwind the fantastical and see well how could that make sense here and so that's kind of my view and how I see it and again I think this is what makes Matt Reeves so special with the potentiality of this franchise and what I love the about him from when he talked about what he was doing with the Batman at DC fandom is the the knowledge that he has with these characters and this universe and this world and being able to pluck certain people that might not be attainable in the versions that he wants to and finding out what makes them tick what makes them who they are and bringing those qualities into live action and making sure that even though this is a a villain that you might have to turn off a real but a real bit of a of realism potentially 
you're able to still understand where this character is coming from and why he is or she is who they are. And I think when we look at, again, the Riddler, Penguin, I think we're going to get that in these characters. And so I'm really excited to see the character studies that we go on with, with, with with these people and where it goes because this thing's almost three hours long. So there's you're, you're going to be exploring all of these characters in some kind of way that we haven't seen before. And so I'm really excited about that. I love, again, when Matt Reeves talks about these these characters in this world and even Robert Pattinson, who I'm really excited to see what he's going to be doing in this role. I've, again, loved all the promos. I think he looks great. I love the voice, which he's kind of got on to say that it was hard to attain that voice throughout a consistent basis while filming the the movie. But I think overall, he looks great. He looks fit for it. He looks like Batman. He looks like a different kind of Bruce Wayne, which I'm excited to get into. But again, so far, so good. And I just keep getting more and more excited for this movie, which is kind of crazy since I'm already at an all-time high of excitement for the Batman. But it's only a few weeks away. It is being reported that the embargo for the Batman is going to be coming out on around February 28th, around noontime Eastern Standard. And that'll be probably around 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So I'm sure screen is already out there. Warner Brothers is just keeping it lock and key right now, and we'll see a flood of reviews, hopefully more positive. If we get negative, we'll see what happens, but those reviews will be coming out probably in a flood by around February 28th of this month, which is the last day of of February. So it'll be around the week that Batman is coming out. So we're almost there. We're almost to the finish line with this film, which is kind of crazy to believe. Ever since that that first fandom trailer, I never thought we'd see this movie because it felt so far away, but as as they say in in the in the MCU, we're we're, we're in the end game now with this movie. We're in it, and it's only a few weeks away from hitting the big screen. What do you guys think about Matt Reeves talking about adapting some of the more supernatural or unreal realistic villains that you could see in this universe that Matt Reeves is establishing? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about today is not necessarily within movies, but it's really within television and movies, but more specifically, it's involving streaming. And again, streaming is the name of the game in today's entertainment world. It's all about streaming services and how you can utilize all the IP that you have in your company to make sure that people are designating to your service so you can profit off of people subscribing to your service. Services, and that is why we have the streaming wars today between Netflix, Amazon, Disney with Disney Plus and Hulu, and you have HBO Max and now Paramount Plus, which will now be reverted to being called Paramount. And yesterday, Viacom CBS, as it was originally known as, had an investor call yesterday and kind of basically did what Disney did back in 2020 and basically laid out the future for what their strategy is moving forward, at least, for the next couple of years. And first off, they're gonna be changing the name from Viacom CBS to strictly Paramount. So no longer is Viacom CBS a thing, it is just gonna be called Paramount period. And it seems like they're going to be moving in a direction where a lot of it is streamlined towards their streaming service, but they'll still have some things that are for television or also made for the big screen as well. And they kind of went down a list of things that are within their franchises that they're very much looking forward to both in television and also on the big screen. And the first thing they did talk about was 
was Halo. And Halo is, is I think, Paramount Plus's big event television show that's coming out in the first half of, of this year. Season one is set for March 24th. But before we even get to season one, Paramount has announced and renewed Halo for a season two, which is great just for me because I love Halo. And the fact that we know by the end of the show, if it's great and we love it, we don't have to worry about if we're going to get a season two or not, because if we do love it, we'll know that we will at least get a season two of this show. But it shows, I think, the confidence in Paramount and the studio execs and the creators that they have a potential hit on their hands with this show where, again, I think Halo is made perfectly for streaming, for television. I don't think it would work so well as a movie just because you have a lot more time to expand on the characters and build out the mythology in the world. And so I think it's going to do really, really well on Paramount+. Plus. And then moving down some of the some of the, the the movies that Paramount talked about, they did announce that starting in 2024, Paramount Picture movies, like the new ones, so such as the Mission Impossible films or the Transformer films, which we'll talk about in a minute, all those movies, after they debut in theaters, will debut on Paramount Plus exclusively. So instead of going through home video first or VOD, which I'm sure it'll probably be there as well, it'll go right to its streaming service first, which again is smart because if you you don't let's say if you still don't want to go out to the movies at that point and you want to wait and it's only a, a matter of time before you have to wait to see a film at home you could just wait it out and then go on paramount plus if you have it and sit down and relax and then watch the movie instead of going to to the movies so i think that's a smart strategy by the studio and then they went into their some of their theatrical slate and, and what some of their plans are in putting these on streaming and how they're utilizing a lot of their ip moving forward and the first one was talking about the transform franchise and saying that Transformers Rise of the Beast will be coming out in 2023 and that it will be the first of a brand new trilogy of movies that is set to come out in the next couple of years. So this is a new era for Transformers where it seems like we're done with the Michael Bay movies. We're going into an era where at least Stephen Cable Jr. is the director for this first film. We have Anthony Ramos and Dominic Fishback coming in to lead this, at least this first installment. We'll see if they're in the next two as well, but a new dawn has arisen for the Transformers films at least, and they did announce that a new animated series from Nickelodeon will be arising this fall. And also in 2024, the film franchise will be expanding into animation where CG animated theatrical Transformers film will be coming out that year. So kind of taking a page out of the the Sony book a little bit where they have all their Spider-Man films and they decided to go into the Spider-Verse in animation form. So we'll see if they're able to fall in line and deliver something that's unique and different that we haven't seen before in the Transformers franchise, and maybe they do certain things that maybe you couldn't do a live action, where you do just a full-on Transformers film, whereas in the live action, you do, need, you do need to have some humans involved in that movie, but in animation, you can kind of go all crazy and push the limits, so I, I wonder if that's what they're going to do with Transformers. And speaking of a new franchise rollout with a film that's coming out on April 8th, even Sonic 2 is ready to go for this year, but they have already announced that Sonic 3 
is in development over at Paramount and Sega, and then expanding off of the sequel film that's coming out on April 8th, next year there will be a brand new original series involving Knuckles, who is voiced by Idris Elba in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, that will be coming to Paramount+. Plus. So uh, again, the first Sonic film did very, very well, and I think this is smart by Paramount. The first film does well. You probably feel confident about this new film, and you feel confident that you, you will do well financially, that people will still go out and see this film. Again, the family market is doing a lot better than it did in previous months with the pandemic. Sing 2 is a clear example of how the market is doing. And so I think people are confident of going to the big screen right now. And so I'm sure Paramount is confident in that. And they feel confident from 2020 before the pandemic that Sonic did so well that people want to see these characters in live action. The, the, the CG in the movies look really good. So it seems like they want to really explore more of this, which makes a whole lot of sense of why they would want to do that. And then moving over to more adult fare, we got some new news regarding the Quiet Place franchise, which it'll now be known as since we got news on two films that'll be coming out in the next couple of years. They said the next installment in the Quiet Place universe franchise will be coming out next year and will be directed by Michael Sarnowski, who did Pig last year. And it was supposed to be directed by somebody else, but they had to drop out. And now we have a new director involved. And then it was also announced that the third installment in the main Quiet Place canon with Emily Blunt and Cillian Murphy and John Krasinski directed at least the first two. The next part of that story will be coming out in 2025. So we still got a few more years to go before we get that movie, but the next installment in the Quiet Place franchise is set for next year, which again, we heard a lot about that new that idea that Krasinski had and, and he wanted to put it out there, but he wasn't going to direct it. Again, somebody else is doing that, so... We get a little bit more on the Quiet Place front. And then again, they, they went into talking about some of the, the blockbusters that'll be coming out later this year. So again, Mission Impossible, the Top Gun movie, Lost City, they will all be making their way onto Paramount Plus after their theatrical debut. And then of course, they went to talking a little bit about Babylon, which is the new film from director Damien Chazelle, who, which is starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, which has been in development for the last couple of years and is finally going to be making its way out probably towards the end of 2022 for an award season run. And they also said that that will be streaming on Paramount Plus after it is done with its theatrical run. Then they went into talking about more of the their animated stuff, more of their kid-friendly material on Paramount for Nickelodeon, and they talked about the, the SpongeBob franchise and how they're going to be expanding on that. They said that there will be three new character-driven movies coming to Paramount Plus, and then a big theatrical temple is in development as well. Then they went on to talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that in, apparently in 2023, they will usher in a brand brand new era with a theatrical release of a brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film from Seth Rogen, which was reported on, I believe, last year. And it'll also be followed up by a series of villain-driven films from the Mutant Ninja Turtles that'll be exclusively debuting on Paramount+. Plus. So again, Paramount+, Plus is... It's, it's what all, a lot of these streamers are doing right now, where you have your main installments and then you, you spin off into your streaming service and you can keep that universe going and you can keep those characters that you might like in on the big screen and then move them over to a streaming service. Again, perfect example is what HBO Max and DC are doing with Peacemaker. A lot of people liked what Cena did in Suicide Squad. Then he gets his own show and people love that character in that world even more so now than they probably did when they saw the film back last year. 
And then they went into some more of their animated, their their animated plans and for some of their 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 children content moving forward. One thing that interested me was they're doing a Blues Clues movie called Blues Big City Adventure coming in twenty or coming this year actually. And the the, the picture that they utilized was it seems like it's all the kind of like the big three for their main human characters. So you get Steve who was part of of my generation and Joe and and the other person that's been a part of this year's generation of Blues Clues. So that was that that picture was interesting just because it brought back those the, those childhood memories. But you have stuff for through the Explorer that's going to be coming out. They're going to be doing new animated series for younger audiences, and then it seems like they're going to be doing a live action show that is going to be in the same vein of the Door the Explorer movie. Now they didn't say that those characters would be in this, but it sounds like they might be taking what they learned from that movie and then transferring it over to something brand new that they're going to be doing for maybe again tweens teenagers so that they can get that demographic within the their streaming service and then they talked about they talked about iCarly and saying that there will be a new season that will launch sometime this year so they really went into some more of their of their mature stuff they announced that a teen wolf film is going to be coming on paramount plus so again this is taking a lot of the strategy from what disney has been doing what hbo max has been doing and what we're going to be seeing peacock doing and taking that and really showcasing that we're still do, we're still in big budget territory as we've shown but a lot of it is going to be streamlined towards their brand new streaming service and for for paramount for paramount and for viacom cbs as it was previously known as before yesterday they were kind of the last one that was you didn't really know what they were going to do because originally they had cbs all access and that was kind of an in between between their streaming services and then they started to formulate paramount plus but they were still it was uncertain what their plan were, but now we're kind of seeing them go all in, putting all their chips on the line, showcasing what they're doing because they have a lot of great property. It's not like they have nothing. Again, Transformers, they, uh, a brand new ones with A Quiet Place, Nickelodeon, MTV. They, they have they have the the requisite pieces to come out with their own streaming service and get people in, intrigued in what they have to offer. So we'll see what happens. But and and again, also. You have football as well, and, and and Paramount, CBS. You have those util, utilizations that not a lot, of, not a lot of others have as well to really kind of showcase what what you can utilize and why you should be the place that people go to see these these shows and these movies and these spinoffs. And then and then another thing that I think people will be interested in when it comes to. Paramount Plus is they talked about in some of their other animation that South Park will be premiering on Paramount Plus after a huge deal there. It will be having two events on the streaming service each year for the next six years. New episodes will be streaming first on Paramount Plus starting in 2024 and the full series catalog will be going exclusively in Paramount Plus in the United States in 2025 which is when the deal with HBO Max is done in its entirety because right now they have the full catalog and then they went into again some of their other original content that they're putting on there so such as the offer which is going to be talking about the making of the godfather which again seeing that first trailer looked awesome i cannot wait for that to come out on april 28th and then they talked about the the new greece prequel that they're shooting called greece rise of the pink ladies so there's a lot of stuff that is coming out right now that again i think they have the records of pieces to go forth and so i think it's gonna be very interesting to see how this stacks up against the likes of netflix against disney plus which i think when we talk about the 
main companies that are more they were more studio driven theatrically driven that are going into streaming right now it seems like disney's the big game and then of course hbo max is right next to them as well with peacock and paramount plus still kind of lagging behind but i think paramount plus could at least vault over peacock to be to become a perennial player if they offer some great content which again i think they have the requisite pieces to pull that off so again like all these other services we'll see what happens in the next couple of months next couple of years how it's able to kind of come together but i really like some of the announcements that this that they made between transformers which again it's a new era no more michael bay we're going to be getting some new interesting characters as well so we'll see where that goes again the offer looks great you have the 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 new installments in in, in this now franchise of a quiet place which was kind of a a, a standalone indie film that I'm sure John Krasinski and the producers had no idea would be what it is today, but here it is again, Greece, all these elements, SpongeBob, South Park, all these shows and sports and news that CBS has that they can really market and I think really, really do some damage with as well. So what do you guys think about this lineup that Paramount Plus and unveiling that they did on their investor day yesterday? What was your most anticipated piece of content that they put on there? Was it something to do Transformers or A Quiet Place or Dora the Explorer or SpongeBob or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or one of their original, original things? that they're doing just for their streaming service. Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the Sambasel podcast today, as I like to do either every Wednesday or Thursday, whenever I do my podcast on one of those days, is of course bringing you the weekend preview. And that is of course giving you an update on what to check out in theaters or on streaming this weekend when it comes to films. And this is probably the big weekend for the month of February. Last week, of course, we had some big ones. You had a brand new JLo rom-com. You had Death on the Nile. The, the week before, you had Jackass to kick off February. But this was really the big weekend where you had the big films that people were looking forward to in the month of February before we get the big, big blockbusters in March and April into the summer movie season. And this weekend, of course, brings us a, a different sort, a, a different variety of films that are set to come out. Of course, the big one I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to and anticipating is the adaptation of the video game Uncharted, which is starring Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, as Nathan Drake, with with the man who will be playing Nathan Sully in Mark Wahlberg, along with Antonio Banderas, and is directed by Ruben Fletcher. And then also this weekend, which I think could pose a little competition, is the return of the one and only Channing Tatum, after kind of taking a little bit of a of a hiatus really from acting and and doing other things he's coming back to the spotlight with two major films kind of coming out in a span of a month really and this is his first one where it's also his directorial debut where he's a co-director with a, a friend of his and, and, and a partner in Reed Carolyn and it's really just about a guy who's in the army who has to take this dog on a, a cross-country trip and it seems like they bond together so it seems like the prototypical man meets best friend and they bond together through this journey that they're going on but it seems like a great time and it seems like a light-hearted fun family film to check out this weekend in theaters it'll be very interesting to see the kind of if Channing Tatum still has that that box office draw from what he did really during that run in the early 2010s with Magic Mike and the Jump Street franchise so if he still has that with him I think it, he could definitely have a big resurgence on his hands and the trailers have looked really good again cute interesting a fun family film to to check out this weekend and, and again same thing with uncharted 
the trailers I think have looked interesting. I think it'll be again, you're gonna have to get the core fan base out there. If they're interested, again, it's gonna be a testament to really Tom Holland because again, he he's had a great run so far with Spider-Man. He he did an, an impeccable job with No Way Home, but Uncharted is really gonna test out to see how big of a star he really truly is because I think Sony is very much the reason they picked him was because they wanted to, to be involved with him as a working partner for the foreseeable future because they see the star that this guy can really become or is it going to be like a lot of MCU people where it's really more about the character than it is the actor so for for Tom Holland this is a big big test for him for Mark Wahlberg as well is he kind of somebody who can draw box office can the name Uncharted bring in some kind of a money and kind of help break the curse for live action video game adaptations to the big screen so a lot on the line here for Uncharted and we'll see how it does reviews have been middling which is again not surprising a little bit mixed to negative so it's it, it would be very interesting to see what the the core audience thinks and if that will be enough to drive in a more broader audience general membership to see this film and then on streaming you have a brand new take on the texas chainsaw massacre which is coming out on friday on netflix so there's a whole bunch of films to check out this weekend in really kind of the last big final weekend of february next weekend is obviously the 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 last weekend of february but this is really the big big one for the month when it comes to the film slate to check out so those are the films to check out this weekend if you get a chance again uncharted in theaters on friday and dog on friday which stars channing tatum and of course on netflix if you just want to stay home and have a little scare in the texas chainsaw massacre streaming on netflix friday so those are the films to check out this weekend and with that down and out of the way that will do it for this this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on the podcast, such as You Matt Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Trios, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. You can also find me on my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.